Well, happy Resurrection Day this morning. Come on. When you look at that, you see the sorrow, the suffering, and the shame that's in our world and everything that we see and things we hear. And this morning, I just want to let you know, when it seems like you can't cope, there's hope this morning, and his name is Jesus. And what he did over 2,000 years ago still works today. And I've learned this. If you do little, God can do much. If you do the possible, God can work the impossible in your life. You believe that? And see, this morning, what I want to do is I want to take us on a, tra- on a journey this morning. If you've ever been with me, if you're a visitor, we're just so glad that you came. We, I want to let you know only good-looking people come to our Savior's church. And, uh, you know, we just want to let you know. And uh, if you've been with me and if you haven't been with me, sometimes I like to go on what I call the travel channel. We're going to travel a little bit, but we got somewhere where we're going this morning. And so this morning, what I want to do, I want to talk about triumph. And I think about that word triumph, and I just think about, it's like you, you just get victory. I, I think of Braveheart, the movie, when they, they come in and go, yeah! I think about when they take William Wallace's head off and he cries out, freedom! When Jesus said, it is done, it is finished. And see, this morning, you know, I think about it, one of the things that we know that we can't triumph is death. How do you know we're all going to die? You know, this week I, I was able to go to a man that, his name is uh, Potato. That's his nickname. And he actually did chemotherapy with me. I was on my, la- my second to last treatment of chemotherapy, and he was on his first treatment. And it's actually Roxanne LeGros' dad. And he was there, and it wasn't a coincidence that we met each other. And we just started talking, and we ended up praying with him and encouraged him. And then she called me last week. She said, Pastor Bubba, my dad's at the point where he's not going to make it. And he said, could you come? I said, oh, yeah, I'll come. I'll walk in there, and when I walk in the house, and if anybody knows me, I love to hunt, and he has this band of, he has this stringer of bands of ducks and geese all over the place, and I'm going, my kind of man. And I walk in his room, and he's laying there. He's coughing, and his son-in-law sitting there by his bed. And he goes... I go, hey, Mr. Potato, head, man. And he goes, hey. Through a long conversation, we just begin to talk. And I said, you know, I said, Potato, it's not going to be long till you die. And he goes, I know. I said, but you don't need to be afraid. Because, because if you really trust the Lord and you give your life to him, you will close this, your eyes in this world. And then when you open your eyes again, you'll match the face behind the voice that you always heard. Every morning when you went out and you looked at a sunrise when you hunted and you thought about how beautiful it was and what you were hunting and you would see those sunsets, God While you were hunting for ducks and geese, God was hunting for you. And I said, do you want that assurance? Do you want that faith to believe that when you leave this earth that you will see Jesus? And he goes, yes. I said, well, let's pray. And I go just, I said, I said, Jesus. He goes, Jesus. And he goes, I believe. And I just let him pray. You died for me. So that I could live. 
and I don't have to be afraid of death. <laughs> and at that moment, I prayed. And you know what? I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I've been with my grandmother when she passed away. You see, she loved the Lord. She prayed for me. Believe me, she would call me up at 3 o'clock in the morning sometimes when I was partying. I'd get to my apartment before cell phones. I'm, thank God they didn't have cell phones. She'd been texting everything, you know. And she'd call me up. She'd go, the Holy Ghost woke me up. What you doing, boy? God spoke to me. You see, this morning, you know, when I think about it, since 1930... There's been an incredible advance, listen to this, in lifespans in the United States. You know, the average man in 1930 lived to only 58 years old. A woman's natural, today a man lives to, about, to be about uh, 74 is the average. A woman back then would live to 62 in 1930. Today's average is 80 years old. You know, despite all the breakthroughs, the maximum recorded lifespans in the world right now are between 105 and 122 years old with all the medical advances. That number's not changed, but it's very important that we have an accurate picture of what the Bible says about death. Death says it's not of God. The Bible says that Jesus overcame hell, death, and the grave. How many of you believe that? You know, it's like the Hawaiian word means for resurrection. This is what it means. It's kind of like a Cajun word. He ain't there no more. That's what I mean. He ain't there no more. Say it we say, he ain't there no more. You see, it's very important that we have an accurate picture of what the Bible says. In John chapter 11, I want to show you, we're, we're, we're reading a story about death. It's the story of Jesus and his best friend Lazarus. And he has, his sister sent word to Jesus, Lazarus sick. He did something his disciples were not prepared to do, see because he had never done it before. He said, you know what, we're going to stay a while. So he stays there. They'd never seen Jesus do that before. He finally tells the disciples, Lazarus dead. He, comes, he looks at him and goes, hey guys, Lazarus dead. Then he decides to go. How many make that make you feel comfort? You know, and if that was, that was your friend too. Then we're going to pick it up in John chapter 11, verse, starting at verse 32. And it says this. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the people wailing for her, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And this is the one I always, when they had Bible verse contests, the one I always remember, Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. It doesn't say, again, the description, why? Maybe how many of you have ever been to a funeral and people are crying or people begin to tell you a story or people begin to share things and all of a sudden you get into the motion that they're in? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you begin to weep. Maybe you not, never even knew them, but there was something inside of you gripped your heart. Said Jesus wept. Then people were standing by, nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, listen to what he said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? 
Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. How do you know that that was just practice for what he was going to do later? There was something that was hidden here in the Greek New Testament that I want to show you. It doesn't make it over into what it was saying in the Scriptures, but it says anger, it means this. What it means, he, this is Jesus. He had a, to snart with anger. How many of you ever seen a horse get mad? I can't do it that good, but you know what I'm talking about. They'll start try to control. And that's what Jesus says. Literally, this is what Jesus He was so angry, he snorted. He was so angry at it. Jesus was in the presence of an enemy. He did, not, yeah, he did not see death as a friend. You see, I want you to see Christ deal with death. Let's see what he does. Look on in verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, Lord, he's been dead for four days. Now, they were in the mountains. It was, it was a high place. It was a How many have ever been around something that's been dead on the road before? Come on. Something enjoyable. How many of you like roadkill? Okay. I mean, literally, he was, he said, Lord, there's going to be, he's going to stink. The smell was terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? When I looked at potato, I said, potato, all you got to do is believe. Believe what Jesus did. Believe what he said. Believe that he can, he'll, he'll, he'll be true to his word. Because when I was leaving, I prayed for him. The family and his wife was so excited that he prayed with me. She cried. And they said, you know, he was the kind of guy that would have never let anybody pray for him. And I was about to leave. Roland came out to me, his son-in-law. He said, Pastor Baba, Potato said, he just wants you to know that's a good man. He said, you're a good man. I said, I'm not a good man. There's a greater man. What I couldn't do, he did. What I don't have the power to do, Jesus did. And you know, here he is. He says, let me go back to the story. So they, they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven. And this is something he normally didn't do. He didn't normally pray out loud like the Pharisees or the religious people so people would notice him. He would go out in a quiet place. He would get up early in the morning. He'd go find a place where he could be alone with his father. But at this one moment, he begins to pray a prayer. He says, then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And many theologians believe, you believe commentaries like I have. They said the reason he said Lazarus, because if he wouldn't have said Lazarus, everybody would have been coming out of the grave. Man, look at Papa. I hadn't seen him for years. Look at Mama. Oh, that's your great grandpa. Oh, Lee. It'd be like a family reunion. You know what I'm talking about? In-laws and outlaws. Anyway. And then the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in, in head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him. And let him go. I realized when I was thinking about this, when people come to know the Lord, when they come become born again at our Savior's church, you know what? Jesus is looking at us and he says, look, I resurrected them. 
Now you loose them with your praying. You loose them with your, 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 your sharing with them and standing by them. That's what he's saying to us. His face. And so here we see Jesus face to face with death. He's angry and responding to an enemy. Most of us see death as a condition or event. The Bible says death is a little different way. Death is a person. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? Let me just show you. Revelations 6, 8 says, I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider's name was death. And his companion was the grave. Revelations 20, verse 14, at the final judgment. It says, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. How many of you know that death is a spirit? Death is a being. The original ruler of this planet, who was he? Come on, I'm asking, who was the original ruler of, of this planet? Who? Adam. Adam. See, y'all didn't want to answer because you didn't want to say it out loud and go, oh, you made a mistake. I understand. It was Adam. Everything God created, he put it into Adam's hands. Adam. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and livestock, and wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry on the ground. And I like what it's Romans says, still everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses. The, even those who did not disobey explicit command of God as Adam did. Death began to rule Adam. We know in the Garden of Eden when Adam said yes to temptation that death. One of the, one, one of the, the curses was death. Who made death king? Would God? Would God create everything good and then control it with death? Romans 5, 12, when Adam sinned, listen, sin entered the world. Adam, Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone has sinned. Let me ask you a question. Let's do a test. Anybody ever exaggerate once or twice in their life? How many of you ever stolen anything? Ooh, okay, we got the camera rolling. Anyway, you can, no. How many of you exaggerated before? How many of you have never lied, never exaggerated? You're a liar. We all have. The Bible says we've all blown it. Look at your saber and go, I know you. You've blown it just like me. And you know what the enemy loves to do? He loves to bring shame. Come on. Blame. Because he likes the shame and blame game. And so what happened? It entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. That's what the scripture says. And death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. So Adam ushered in sin, which called sorrow, suffering, shame. And I want to say something. Sometimes I want to say, thanks a lot, Adam. Ever feel that way? But you know what? God sent the best human he had, Adam, at that moment. It's like us. In 1972, we don't like to talk about it, but what we did is we lost the Olympic Games to the Russians for basketball. We had ruled, and I mean, they were trying to say we cheated. We sent our best, and we lost. Okay? You see, when Adam sinned in the garden, death became 
his master. Are y'all with me this morning? Adam chose willfully and he knew what he was doing when he disobeyed. How many ever done something you knew you weren't doing something wasn't right? Come on. Come on. Come on. I mean, the rest of you, we're praying for you. I promise you right now. How many of you have ever done something you know you were, do- when you were doing it, it was wrong? How many of you got busted when you did it? Remember those moments? Remember something about a mama. You ever go like the mama and go, she goes, you did it, didn't you? Oh. They can look at your eyes. The Bible says the windows of the, the eyes are the window of the heart. Sometimes you can look at someone's eyes and you can tell they're deceived. That's what cops and people do. They're trained to watch the way people react. When they shine a light in you, no one likes a light in their eyes anyway. But the way you react. We went to a sobriety. We went, my wife and I went through a sobriety check a couple weeks ago. And the cops goes, have you drinking anything tonight? Not in 33 years. Have you taken any drugs? 33 years ago, I did a lot. But see... Adam chose willfully, and he knew what he was doing, and he disobeyed. Instead of submitting himself to the Lord, he submitted himself, listen to me, to death. See, the choice didn't just get Adam. It got everybody. Everything dies. How many believe that everything dies? You know, the oldest living dog that ever lived was 29 years old on record. The oldest living cat was 36. There's something not right about that. It should be the other way around. <laughs> anyway, everybody knows I love cats around here. Cats are from the devil. Anyway, just let's go on. Popular, we're talking about the Lord, all right? Come on, you know, let's not talk about cats and dogs, all right? You know, Dana Daigle's been praying for me for years. Just keep interceding, Dana. Polar bear, they said a polar bear lives to about 42 years old. And a horse can live to 62. The chimpanzee was 59. An elephant, 86. A shark, 200 years. A Galapagos tortoise, 190 years old. There's a, a tortoise in, in, in Sweden. His name's Ellie. It was born in 1859, and it's still alive. You know, trees live even longer. You know, if you've ever been to the Sequoia National Park, I've been through there. They have the giant redwood trees, and the largest redwood tree is 36 feet in diameter. Okay? It's... it's not only that, it, 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 if, you cut, if you cut that tree right there, and, and it's, it's 300, what is it, 311 feet. There it is, right there. It's 311 feet tall, okay? They said if you cut it, and you cut it in one by 12s, and you, put them, you butted them next to each other, you could go 119 miles just with the lumber. Think about it. A limb in 1978 fell. It was six... Six feet thick and 100 feet long, the branch alone was one of the largest trees in the world. Just a branch. You believe that it, it's over 3,200 years old. And those trees were probably just young seedlings when Moses received the Ten Commandments 3,200 years ago. So there's a conflict. Some of you are thinking, I thought since God made the earth that it was his. Psalms 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. How can it be God's and Adam's? Well, here, here it's simple. If you understand real estate, this is how it works. The earth is on lease. God owns the earth, but he leased it to Adam. During the time of the lease, he backs off. 
Like a good landlord, he comes anytime he's invited. He doesn't, he doesn't interfere. He just comes when he's invited. We sing, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Aren't you glad I'm not leaving worship? Anyway. When God gets the whole world in his hands, we, don't see, we won't see the trouble that happens today. How many of you believe that? That's why it's so important that we pray and we ask and we invite him. See, leases don't last forever. Hong Kong was given back to China, I think in 1997, something like that, or 94. Because England had signed a contract, a lease, that they would release, they would give back Hong Kong after, I think it was 1999. They would give it back to the Chinese government. It was a lease, a hundred-year lease, and they had to give it up. You see, Matthew, when Jesus, Matthew 8, verses 28 through 20. Are y'all with me this morning? I promise I'm going somewhere with this. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake, the region of Gandaris, two men were possessed by demons, met him. They lived in a cemetery that were, they were, they were, they were so violent that no one could go through that area. You know, we have places in America no one likes to go to, even cops. I've heard there's times, at certain times of the year, that cops don't like to go to certain streets, here in Jennings even. And so it says through that area, they begin screaming at him, Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? The demons know they were going to be taken away one day, but they, but they knew it was not time yet. Notice the, de- devils, the demons call him son of God. Over 80 times, Jesus is called son of man. He is the son of man or the son of God. He's both God and man. I believe he is God and man. Demons don't have a problem calling him the son of God. They had a problem calling him the son of man. See, the devil doesn't want you to admit that Jesus came as a man. Why? Because it's a big deal. It's a real big deal. It really is. All Adam, when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he put every man under the control of death. All men are doomed, but Christ came to set us free from death. I remember my first Easter. I was in East Texas. I'd been saved. and I'd been saved. It would be 33 years in May. I remember being at that first Easter, and I really knew the Lord. I had a born-again experience that May. So I waited. It was almost a whole year before I had it. And I remember that first born-again experience of being in Easter, and I was able to worship God because I finally, he wasn't a religious thing. He wasn't a pretty picture on the wall. He wasn't on the other side knocking. He wasn't, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't in the holy water. He wasn't in all those different things. I met him. And he radically changed my life. And at that moment, I began to realize Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. And at that moment, I began to realize when they walked into there and they looked in that tomb, it's like the Hawaiian said, he ain't there no more. He ain't there. You can't go. They don't have historical things where they go, here are the bones of Jesus. They have an argument about the shroud. But I can promise you this. I remember that moment. And see, this, today, I just want, Corinthians says this, 1 Corinthians 15. I know we're talking a lot of scripture, but I want to bring this point. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has been, 
has begun through another man. It was a man who lost it, and the law of justice demands that only a man can get it back. The problem is there's no man that's free from death, but not Jesus. He was free. He was free from death. When Jesus was born, they tried to kill him. Listen, when Jesus was born, death tried to take him out in Bethlehem. Remember that? How many of you watched Moses last night? All right? I'm just, anyway, never mind. When he preached in his hometown, they, tried to, they were going to throw him off a cliff, but he kind of went through them, and then no one knew where he went. In the temple, he tra- they tried to grab him, and, they tried, and he, he turned, and he disappeared. In the Sea of Galilee, the storm rages. And I love what he does. He told the storm to shut up. Shut up! The storm went, oh, it's you. I'm sorry. The book of Moses says while he was in the wilderness. The book of Mark, not Moses. Well, we're going way back. The book of Mark says while he was in the wilderness, he was surrounded by wild animals. But he had authority. Death had no power on Jesus. Death had no control. Death had no power. See, the, the right... that The night they took him into the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't, he didn't stop them. He allowed them to take him. And we know that they beat him, they scourged him, and we know that they crucified him. But that's at the end of the story. Hebrews, I love this portion of Scripture. Listen to what it says. Hebrews 2. Verse 9 and verse 14 and 15. What we do see is Jesus, who was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, say, say for us. He is now crowned with, with, glory, with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? God doesn't seem like he's fair all the time, but he is just. Aren't you glad that he didn't give you what you were due to- towards? Come on. It's called his grace. Jesus tasted death. Look what it says. You know, underline that it's you have your Bible. For everyone. Say it. We say for everyone. Say, that's me. See, the devil will come to you and say, oh, you can't do that because of this, that, and this. But Jesus goes, oh, wait a minute. Stop it. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. He could tell you stuff that's not even true. Come on. You look in the mirror. You know, some of you look in the mirror and go, oh, and you have voices speak to you. Come on. Come on, baby. Whoo, share. Look at them wrinkles. Look at that. A gray hair. Ah! Oh, yeah. You used to be her little, her, her hunk, but now you're her chunk. Look at you. There's voices that speak to us every day. How about when you wake up in the morning? They say in Africa, if you're an impala... The first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is run because you know what? There's a lion after you somewhere. And for every one of us, for every one of us, he tasted death for you and for me. Verse 14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Who had the power of what? Of what? Death. Death. Only in this way could he set free all 
who lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Who's got a set of keys in here this morning? I need them. Come on. Give me a set of keys real quick. Come on. Who's got a set of keys? Thank you. Now I own a new car. It's a Dodge Ram. What Jesus did, the enemy had the keys to hell, death, and the grave. Come on. And Jesus went and said, hold on, hold on. Stand up. I'm not here to... Give me those keys. Thank you. You can have your truck back. Thank you. I had to dodge around for a moment. But anyway. He took the keys. He didn't say, give them here. He just went and took what was his already. Boom. And he said, you know what? I have the key. If you put in an ignition and you turn it, your life is going to begin to run like it should. You're going to begin to drive like you should. Some people in their lives, their lives are out of alignment. Some of, them, some of you need an oil change. You need the oil of God, the healing oil of Jesus to come to flow and take out that old, dirty, messed up oil that's been trying to run in your life. And sometimes we try to put things in the gas tank that don't make the car run right. And sometimes we put things in our lives. We think about materialism. We think about money. We think about things and all that stuff. And none of that's bad. It's just how you use it. Are you hearing me? That, you know, all of a sudden, that becomes who you are? Listen, my identity, my identity is found in Jesus. Because in May 15, 1980, I bowed my knee and I said, God, have control. That don't mean I tried to grab the keys a few times. Don't look at me like I'm funny. You have too. But I remember what that old bubble used to look like. And I don't want to drive that way anymore. I don't want to take that road. I don't want to drive all... You know what I'm saying? Christ took death's power away. If you're a believer, you'll never know death. Isn't that cool? You'll never know. When my grandmother was dying, she, just, she said this in underneath the breath. She went, Bernetta was there, my wife was there, everybody. And she just goes... I want to go home. She wasn't talking about her house. She says, I want to go home. And I remember we're all standing, her grandkids and everything. And while we're there, we're standing. She, somebody pulls out her Bible, and she has every person's name with the scripture God had given her and prayed for them, over that for them. You know what I'm saying? And everybody, we had, I had my relatives that weren't even a Christian. They were going, go home, Nene, go home. Go home. Go be with your Jesus. Go home. It was a sad moment, but it was a great moment. Because I saw my grandmother. That I remember when she used to smoke Salem lights. I remember when she was mean because she helped raise me. But I remember when she gave her life to Jesus. She was radical, man. She was like, and it wasn't about what she smoked. It's not about what she did. I'm not here to condemn all of that. But what I'm saying is that she wasn't controlled by things anymore. All of a sudden, she had Jesus who was in control of her heart, and he was driving her. She was in the passenger seat. She wasn't in the driver's seat anymore. I can remember her loving my grandfather when he was just mean. The only time he ever said, Jesus, when you left the door back door open, Jesus Christ, close, close the door. But loved him enough to where he came to know the Lord. 
See, I, I just the worst kind of death, here it is, the worst kind of death is the one that most people don't know that they're in. What do you mean? It's the separation from God. And it's, if you want to live that way, this is what you do. And you can do it with me this morning if you want to. You say, God, you raise your fist and you say, I don't want you and I don't want anything of your son. I don't want it. That is what you've just done when you reject it. See, you're serving and obeying another master. Hello? The master of disaster. I used to pass by, you know, the reader, you know, the palm readers and all that. Remember, when you go, I pass them, and, and I, always when I pass them, I said, Lord, bring confusion to the house of confusion. I'm not afraid of them because I have something greater in me. It's Jesus. See, I know this, you can't come unless you've been drawn and you can't come to Christ just when you want to. You come to Him when you hear the gospel. Gospel means good news. God draws you, listen to me, just to simply to respond to Him. That's all it is. You hear God speak to you. You know you're not where you need to be. Hello, it's just simple. God, I know I'm not where I need to be, but I don't want to stay where I am. I want to change. Because, Lord, I've been driving, and guess what? I'm out of alignment. My life's not right. Things I've done, decisions i made, they're not right. I'm not where I need to be. I don't, I'm not where I should be, but I want to be with you. See, if you're making a decision today, I just want to do this. Look at me. Look at me. I see the whites of your eyes. A lot of times we say we have all these little things you got to do to come to know the Lord. The thing I've learned about the Lord is this. You come just like you are. You come. I remember I talked to one guy one time. I said, man, you're going to come to church. Man, I ain't got the right church clothes. I ain't got a white shirt and black slacks. I was like, what? Come on, man. God don't care. See, I used to work on the streets of America. I've been to almost every major city in the United States. I've been to 42 states. I used to, that's what I used to do. I used to do inner city ministry. I used to preach out, open, out in the open on streets sometimes at bus stops and around people. And you go, you're one of those weird guys? No, I just love Jesus and I didn't care. Because I knew if he could do something in me, he could do something in somebody else. I remember meeting people that people would put a never on somebody. See, listen to me. Look at me. People put a never on people. But God never puts a never on anybody ever. Only people do. Are you hearing me? And it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what family you were born in or what family you wish you could have been in. You can be a part of the family of God. That God would speak to you and that you would respond to his voice. It's simple. He comes in a still, small voice. And maybe this morning that voice is speaking to you and he's going, hey. like he looked at his future disciples. Hey, you, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men.
See, that, what that means is that you come follow me and I'll make you what you, I always intended you to be. Not what you think you have to be. That you find your purpose. You find your perspective in life. And then all of a sudden your priorities begin to change. Because you've trusted Jesus. This morning, could you just bow your head this morning? I just want to pray. If you're here this morning, and I want to honor you. I'm not here to embarrass you. And you know you're at a place and death has a grip on you. Fear. Shame. And you say, Pastor Bubba, I know I'm not where I need to be, but I want to know Jesus this morning. I want to make him the master of my life. If that's you this morning, the Bible says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. It takes courage. It means making a stand. It means going public sometimes. If you're here this morning, say, Pastor, I don't know the Lord, but I, I want to give my life to him. I came this morning knowing I'm not where I need to be, but I don't plan on staying that way. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? Pray for me. I want to give my life completely 100% for God. I want to be sold out to him serving with a whole heart. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Okay. There's some here. Anybody else? Okay. Anyone else? All over. Anyone else? Come on. I'm going to be. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Come on. I see that hand. You put it down. Anyone else? Jesus is speaking. Anyone else? Thank you. Put it down. If you raise your hand this morning, would you stand up? Would you just stand up and make that stand? If you raise your hand this morning, just stand up right where you're at. Maybe you didn't raise your hand and say, I'm going to stand up because I'm not going to live the way that I used to live anymore. Can everybody stand up? Everybody stand up with me. Can everybody just pray this prayer out loud with me? For those that are standing, that we're standing with you. Because we were at that point in our own lives. And I believe that you can leave here today with assurance that you are a child of the living King. Amen? Pray this prayer with me. Just lift your hands to heaven all over this place. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer, confessing all my sins. I believe your word. I believe you you accept everyone who comes to you. Lord, forgive me. Forgive all my sins. Have mercy on me. I don't want to live this way anymore. I want, to be, I want to belong to you. Jesus, come into my heart. Cleanse me. Be my Lord and Savior. Guide me. 
I confess you, Jesus, as Christ, as the Lord. I thank you. You hear my prayer. And I accept my salvation by faith. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me just as I am. here this morning, you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is ask. So it's that simple, ask. I just want to pray with you this morning. You might be here and you go, I, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Just lift your hands right now all over this place. We're going to let you go. Father, just, just say this. Father, I believe that you sent the comforter to teach me, to guide me, to show me the way to live. I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. I don't want to be filled with the things of this world, but I want to be filled with you. In Jesus' name.